Hello and welcome back to another episode of Him Partial, the podcast where we talk all things church music. I'm Cara Devereaux. And I'm a mate. <laughs> you are a mummy. <laughs> I just messed up my own name. Oh, this is bad news. It's not bode well. Okay. She's starting again. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Impartial, the podcast where we talk all things church music. I'm Cara Devereaux. And I'm Anae Funga. And today we're going to make the argument that Joy to the World is not an Advent song. Plus, we will answer a question from the mailbag. Stay tuned. But before we jump in all that fun, we want to encourage you to keep in touch so that you never miss an episode. If you're listening on YouTube, hit subscribe and ring the little bell so that you're notified when we release new episodes. We're available anywhere you listen to podcasts, but the best way of all to keep in touch is by heading over to himpartial.com and subscribing to our free weekly newsletter. This is only released once a week and it comes with all kinds of fun bonus content that you cannot get anywhere else. If you're feeling extra generous, you could go over to your favorite podcast platform and leave a five-star review. It helps us. It really definitely does. And subscribers to our newsletter can also submit questions to our mailbag. Yep. Like this week's question, a subscriber asks, where can you find good recordings of hymns? Um, honestly, YouTube. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's vary, varying degrees of good. Uh, it depends on what you mean by that. If you're just wanting to hear a congregation sing a song that you're really into or you want to become familiar with a hymn. Maybe you have a hymnal and you're curious as to what it sounds like. You might hear an arrangement um, on YouTube if you search it there. Um, someone who we used actually quite a lot during the lockdown um, last year was a guy whose name I'm totally going to butcher and I apologize if you're watching this. Um, his name is Martin DeGroot. And we'll spell it in the description because let's be honest, I'm probably butchering it. Mm -hmm. Um, But he actually has tons and tons of recordings of churches singing like really um, well-known hymns and some not so well-known hymns. I think he has some recordings from the Met Tab and other places. Um, He usually puts lyrics with it as well, um, which is partly why we've also been using that when we've had to do church on Zoom. Yeah. So that's, that's one example that I have I mean yeah YouTube's pretty much your (laughs) go-to you can get like the Gettys have done a lot of older hymns as well if you just I would honestly just um look up the name of the hymn Mm -hmm. and just see what you can find because there's loads there's everything from church choirs to like solo artists Mm -hmm. who've covered things and you can get everything from the organ to more modern and I know we've mentioned them before, and I swear we're not getting it, getting paid for this endorsement at all. But Indelible Grace actually does really, um, really great recordings of hymns and a lot of new arrangements to old hymns. So that would be a good place. But honestly, YouTube, that's like the number one place yeah, where we find recordings. I mean, um, this is also not sponsored, but we <laughs> love it. Um, you could get the Christian Hymns app. It doesn't have oh, people yeah. singing on it, but it does have uh, like recordings of the tunes. Yeah, good along. recordings too. Like you could get like piano. Yeah, um, they're very clear. Yeah, yeah. So I hope that answers your question. So today's episode we touched on very briefly in one of our Christmas episodes from last year. 
But it's worth its own episode because it's hands down one of the most famous Christmas carols in the world. I think I read a stat that it was like the most published Christmas song of all time. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, So that song is Joy to the World. Yeah. No surprise there. (laughs) Um, It's written by one of our impartial faves, Isaac Watts. Um, But it's not an Advent song. Uh, And I will set it out to show you why in this episode. Um, If you want to hear some background on the author, check out our episode on the Wondrous Cross. Um, I don't know the number, but we'll definitely have it linked for you in the description. Um, And if you're on YouTube, it'll be in one of the corners over here. Over in. Yeah. yeah. Um, So this this hymn comes from Isaac Watts hymnal entitled The Psalms of David imitated in the language of the New Testament. It's a mouthful. Basically, this Psalter was created to Christianize the Psalms so that we sing them with the full revelation of Christ in view, which I think is actually really cool. Like, yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, we understand that the entirety of scripture is cohesive and that, you know, the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. There is no discontinuation or whatever. No, mm-hmm. there is no... No, you're right. Yes, it that's the right word. Yeah, it it all ties together. <laughs> yeah, but it is nice to see, like, even some of the prophetic writings of the Old Testament in light of, of the New Testament. So I, I just personally think it's really cool. Um, and we know from our previous episode on Isaac Watts that he had an issue with the standard Psalter used in the churches throughout mm-hmm. England. Um, he wanted to give the Psalms more meaning in light of Christ and a better style. <laughs> um, so before we break this down, uh, for the three people out there who have never heard the lyrics of Joy to the World, um, I was just wanted to ask Cara if she could read the lyrics for us. To be fair, I think probably most people don't know it past the first verse or two. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe actually, that's true. Anyway, it's great. So, here are the lyrics. Joy to the world, the Lord is come, let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world, the Saviour reigns, let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills and plains repeat the sounding joy. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. Yeah, so, I mean, we're pretty familiar with a lot of those lyrics. If you aren't, then thank you, Carl. You are now. <laughs> you are now. Um, so, Joy to the World is actually a paraphrase of verses we find in Psalm 98. Um, he originally, Isaac Watts originally entitled this paraphrase, the Messiah's coming and kingdom. So that kind of already gives you a clue to what he was thinking about in terms of Mm -hmm. this song, but there's more. So before we go into that, Cara, do you mind just reading, um, that Psalm verse four to the end? Um, there you go. Yeah. So, um, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth, 
Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody. With trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let rivers clap their hands, let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Yep. So you do hear some of some of the influence to the song mm-hmm. in those verses. So why do we say this isn't an Advent song? Um, we kind of hinted to it a little bit. You know, based on the passage we have read here in, in, in Psalm 98, there are some key clues Uh, Most scholars would agree that this psalm was a messianic song, as in referring to the Messiah, Mm -hmm. referring to the coming Lord. But some might still argue that this song is not about Christ's second coming, but his first. Um, So in defense of it being about a second coming song and not a first, I will reference someone, again, much smarter than myself. (laughs) His name is Scott Aniel. And in an article he published in Christian Post, he argues that in verse three of the song, Watts uses language that is not specific to the Psalms. So this is part of that Christianizing Mm -hmm. of the Psalms. He uses language not specific to the Psalms, specifically where he says, no more let sin and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. So that makes sense because when Christ came, he didn't abolish sin and the effects of sin. So yeah, you would associate that with the second coming, yeah. not with the first one. Yeah. And that, and that's exactly what, what Scott, um, Aniel, um, argues. He says, mm-hmm. basically Christ has not abolished the curse completely yet. Mm-hmm. The fact that these kind of universal blessings have not yet occurred seems to indicate that Watts was thinking about a future reality. Yeah. Um, um, and I think, I think I agree with that pretty yeah. much. Yeah. 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 I mean, the whole, the whole song really seems to look forward to the second coming mm-hmm. and making everything new rather than just saving us. Yeah. Which is what the first coming was. Yeah. And, you know, the first coming obviously was very important, you know? Yeah, de- definitely. <laughs> there's, no, there's no shade at Christ's first coming, obviously not. But I do think there's a lot of misconceptions about this song, particularly because of when we sing it yes. most of the time. Yes. And what it actually was meant to point us towards in terms of worship. Now, before we move on from the lyrics, it looks like this song fell victim again to the revision and reworking of some in the Mormon church. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Um, they changed several lyrics of the song for their hymnal called A Collection of Sacred Hymns, published in 1835. Um, there's some really notable lines changed, and I just wanted to talk about it because we always we always talk about the Mormons. It's kind of a sore spot for me. I feel like, why are they taking our songs? Mm. But this one has been reworked in some very significant ways. Okay. So I think it's worth seeing how they changed it. So basically, for example, in the second verse, the Watts version says, joy to the world, the savior reigns, Mm -hmm. let men their songs employ. 
in the Latter-day Saints version, it says, rejoice, rejoice when Jesus reigns and saints their songs employ. So very like the tense there is, I think, really important. It's like Watts is saying Jesus already reigns. Mm -hmm. The Savior already reigns. Right. Yeah. And they're saying when Jesus reigns. But it's interesting that they're they're cutting out that savior part mm-hmm. as well. It's not just like when, mm-hmm. it's also we're not calling him savior. Mm-hmm. They didn't say when the savior reigns. They said when yeah. Jesus reigns. But that fits yeah. with their, their theology. Yeah. Interestingly, though, they added the word Jesus in there when they're, you know, the name Jesus in there when it yeah. wasn't. So they obviously know who we're talking about when we say the savior mm-hmm. reigns. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, in their theology, he's sort of... They, yeah, they just mean something different when they say saved. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's interesting they say saints instead of men. Yeah. Is that like a... Um, oh, this was the 1835 one, wasn't it? Yes. Okay, so it's not like a modern... Um, yeah, okay. But it's interesting that they say saints since they call themselves Latter-day yeah. Saints. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like they're more than men. They're saints, like, you know... Better than the rest of us. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean that... <laughs> That's what we think. <laughs> um, there's some other changes too throughout the verses. Um, mm-hmm. But the last verse is pretty much completely reworked okay. in a really strange way. So here's the Watts version. He rules the world with truth, truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. Now the Latter-day Saints version says... Rejoice, rejoice in the most high while Israel spreads abroad like stars that glitter in the sky and ever worship God. Huh. I genuinely do not understand why that's so reworked. It's basically like they just scrapped the last verse. Uh, Don't they have a thing about the... Uh, there, there was someone in Israel, or was it Noah? Someone went to the United States, so Israel was scattered across the world. At some point, I can't remember the details. <laughs> it was a bit bizarre. <laughs> um, I wonder if maybe that's what it it it's referring to is like the spreading when they got in the boats and went away and started mm, a new temple and things and maybe like stars that glitter in the sky. I just find that they that they seem to have an issue. Well, seem to have an issue. Maybe that's too strong of a phrase. But they, they take out the fact that Christ is righteous. You know, mm-hmm. like that's not in there. You know, the glories of his righteousness, such a rich, rich line. It's gone. They replaced it with like stars that glitter in the sky. It's also like the nations prove the glory of his righteousness. Whereas mm-hmm. they're just like Israel scattered. It's just Israel. Yeah. yeah. It's a strange reworking. Um, there's a bunch of little changes. Maybe we'll maybe we'll include it in the newsletter. Maybe not. But it's just they they basically they take away the deity of Christ. And so I'm like, joy to the world. Why are we joyful? In this song, yeah. there's literally no no need to be joyful because it's the, we're the saints and, you know, he'll come to make the blessings flow, not his blessings flow. It's like just taking away the deity of Christ 
and you know, there's more we could get into that. But it just makes me, oh, why are you taking our song? Why are you ruining it and mm-hmm. making it about some like you know lower version of Jesus who doesn't exist? So I just thought that was interesting because like it was a side by side comparison of how yeah. much they changed the song in order to sing it. Um, any final thoughts on the lyrics there? Um, I really love the lyrics, the real ones, <laughs> the real ones, <laughs> the real ones, guys. Um, but that's interesting the changes that the Mormons make. But I guess that's that's a whole other episode. <laughs> yes, but you know, I find it, it kind of goes back to I think what you were saying last week in the sense that like, um for joyful joyful lord we adore thee the uh lyric hymn writer poet guy he basically was like well it's the it's the tune that makes the song right Mm -hmm. he was like you know giving big ups to beethoven and in this sense there's a lot of richness behind the tune as well so i think sometimes you know, somebody might hear the tune and be like, that's a great tune. Oh, wait, hang on. What's all this stuff about Jesus? You know, <laughs> let's just go ahead and scrub that, edit that out so we could just enjoy the tune and not enjoy the, you know, the guy who we're singing to. So I guess that that will lead me into the tune discussion. <laughs> Segways. I'm great at them. Um, so this song is strongly associated with Christmas because of its reference to Christ's coming um, or his return. <laughs> as we know. That's my vote. That's my vote. Uh, but there's also another reason that it's associated with Christmas and it does have to do with the tune. So the tune is an alleged re-ra- rearranging of parts of Handel's Messiah. Oh, I remember this now. We touched on this a little bit in our Christmas episode. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was rearranged by Lowell Mason. Um, and we know him because he's the man behind the tune Bethany, or as we would more regularly recognize it as nearer my God to thee. He's behind a lot of tunes. Yes. He's got his fingerprints on everything. A lot we, of stuff. We'll do an episode on him eventually. <laughs> eventually. But um, he was a, Lowell was a great admirer of Handel. Um, he was part of the Handel and Hayden Society, which was an American chorus and period instrument orchestra based in Boston, Massachusetts. Mm. And this society was founded on the purpose to promote the love of good music and a better performance of it. Get behind we that. We can get behind we that. We can get behind that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was this society that published Lowell's first collection of hymns, uh, before eventually promoting him as president of the society. Mm. So he obviously really loved Handel. You know, mm. you don't become the president of the Handel and Hayden Society by just being a, like a casual admirer. Um, so we owe, you know, Handel major credit for this tune, though Lowell is really the one who kind of brought it all together. Mm-hmm. Um, now, apparently this is tied to Christmas, because of circumstance that the music Lowell rearranged was published around Christmas time. And therefore it had a heavy association, you know, it's not completely devoid. Obviously Handel's Messiah is about the Messiah. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we celebrate Christ, the Messiah being born at Christmas. Do you think that adds to the being people thinking that it's about the first coming is because that's what the Messiah is about. 
Handel's Messiah. Is it fully just about the first coming, though? I thought they take bits from old and new yeah, I think testament do, there. But it's often performed at Christmas. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, that's true, mm. too. I Don't mean, know. there's a lot of association mm. with the Advent season, right? Um, but I just thought that was funny. It's like, oh, yeah, it was published around Christmas, so everyone heard it around <laughs> that sense. time, and that's, yeah. that's kind of why. Um, and I think we said before... We don't mind singing this song at Christmas. There's no issue with that. It's a great song, and it's not even wrong to do so. Um, and from that same article that I read by Scott Aniel, he basically says, it's not inappropriate, however, to sing the hymn during this time. The four weeks preceding Christmas not only um, is not, sorry, the four weeks preceding Christmas not only remember Christ's incarnation, they also anticipate his second coming to earth, at which time full salvation and judgment will come. All the earth will rejoice and his many blessings will extend far as the curse is found, which is a quote from the song, which we know. So it's a great song. And I love that it looks forward to Christ's return, which we know will be absolutely glorious. But I don't want you guys to take my word for it. Um, we're going to actually hear from the apostle John, um, in his re revelation from Jesus, mm -hmm. where he writes, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Amen. I really love that um, passage in Revelation. Mm. I think it's great. And I really love the song and you know it's practically June now but we can still sing it and it's yep. wonderful and um, yeah I just hope that the last couple of weeks as we've looked at these joyful songs that it's made you more joyful and it's given you something to sing but until next week may the Lord bless you and keep you bye, bye.